You're listening to City is Playground, a podcast by the Leadership Foundations, and I'm your host, Rick Enlow. I'm here with Dave Hillis, and uh, this is a full-length podcast on the first movement of what we're calling Eucharistic Leadership. So, Dave, tell me about that. Yeah, Rick, we uh, uh, are, again, thinking about uh, leadership in light of the city as playground. And one of the things that Leadership Foundations has come up with is this notion of the Eucharistic shape of leadership. And the Eucharistic shape uh, consists of four movements, uh, four actions. Uh, The first is uh, taken. Um, The second is blessed. The third is broken. And then the fourth is given. Mm -hmm. And so what we're trying to do over the next uh, number of months is take each one of those words and to kind of drill down into it in terms of what would it mean for your leadership to uh, reflect what it means to be taken. And so this, uh, this first opportunity we have, we have uh, reached into our, uh, our kind of uh, bullpen and pulled out someone that we think is uniquely uh, qualified to talk um, about the idea of uh, leadership as, as taken, and that's uh, Dr. Reverend Larry Lloyd. Um, Larry Rick is a, is a very important person to the Leadership Foundations and to me personally. He has been uh, the president of the Memphis Leadership Foundation, mm-hmm. which is one of our larger leadership foundations uh, around the world. Uh, they will be celebrating actually their 30th birthday this next year. Um, and Larry has been the president. Uh, actually, both he and his uh, colleague Howard Eddings have kind of gone back and forth. Uh, Larry is also, though, the Vice President of Network Impact uh, and Member Services, and that position for Leadership Foundations uh, is the person that gets up in the morning, kind of goes to bed at night uh, with a kind of single um, kind of idea, and that is is how do we help local Leadership Foundations uh, continue to increase their mastery of our wheel of change, which Mm -hmm. is the three functions. Yeah. And so Larry administers all the tools around that, the accreditations, uh, he makes site visits. He's, he's probably the person that knows more about what leadership foundations are doing on the ground than, than probably anybody. Hmm. So Yeah, well, he's, he's also a, uh, a real treat to get to spend time with, and mm-hmm. I've had that privilege a few times. So uh, we also want to remind everyone, if you're listening to this, but you haven't listened to the podcast, a little bit of handicap because we had talked about uh, kind of the whole setup to this first movement of mm-hmm. Eucharistic leadership and it introduced Larry. So we want to, uh, make sure, you know, that, you know, that if you've already listened, then you just can't wait for us to call Larry. So let's do, let's do it. Well, Larry, thank you so much for uh, taking the time and uh, providing us, uh, uh, just some reflection on Eucharistic leadership and, uh, what and how it, uh, it works in the city. Uh, Larry, I also uh, made mention in both the Whispercast and uh, earlier in, in this podcast when we were introducing you uh, how uh, important a role you have played in my life, I, uh, both going back to my Young Life days and being on the Urban Young Life staff. Uh, it was you that put your, uh, put your arm around me and taught me how to do some street work. And then it was also you later on because you went to Leadership Foundations first that when I followed your path, uh, it was the Memphis Leadership Foundation and your leadership that really um, helped the Northwest Leadership Foundation uh, get going. So, Larry, it's, uh, it's always been a pleasure, and I, again, deeply appreciate uh, all you've given to my life. Um, with that, I wanted to kind of jump in really at the beginning here, Larry, and ask you the question. Um, 
about reflecting on leadership and why, uh, one, how have you seen it work in all these years uh, of doing work in the city, particularly in Memphis? What's your experience been of it? And why is it such an important topic to talk about? Well, you know, as we all know, there's uh, leadership conferences, you know, all over the place every year in every city. Mm-hmm. So in one sense, uh, you know, the, the world knows that everything rises and falls on leadership, uh, appropriate leadership. And there's all types of leadership. There's, you know, authoritative leadership, authoritarian leadership. Mm-hmm. But what we, what we really uh, gravitate to, what I gravitate to is, is servant leadership. Of course, that's uh, that's also been a, a hot topic uh, since Greenleaf's book and so forth. But right. when I came to Memphis, one of the things that, that was so important is is finding out who were the who were the leaders in communities of need or what we would call under resourced communities uh, who were getting uh, getting the work done uh, even without uh, much in a way of capacity or mm-hmm. money, uh, and so. Uh, the leaders we looked for were folks that, you know, as one of my our friends uh, who's now um, gone to be with the Lord, Rudy Howard, would say, go uh, people that would go through trees and park cars, you know, to get kids to, mm-hmm. to a young life camp. Uh, and it's that kind of leader uh, that's so important, uh, not only in politics, but in ministry and churches. And we've all, we've all also witnessed poor leadership. And, uh, and um, I certainly have experienced that as well. Mm-hmm. And organizations and churches fall apart when there's poor leadership. Yeah. Uh, Larry, maybe so, maybe even say a bit, yeah. uh, what would you say are some of the characteristics that you have seen about, say, good leadership um, over and against uh, poor leadership? And, and how have you been able to see that work itself out? Well, good leadership is outwardly focused. Poor leadership is self-focused. Mm-hmm. Uh, good leadership is always looking out for the good of others. Uh, it's obviously a biblical reference is loving our neighbor. Um, so good leadership is always focused outward uh, rather than inward. Um, good leadership uh, is uh, coupled with humility, whereas mm-hmm. poor leadership is coupled with ego. Um, so where I've seen good leadership uh, is oftentimes with an organization, like a nonprofit organization, uh, mm-hmm. it's often you, you're not quite sure who the leader is because of the way they carry themselves. They, they're always giving credit to others. Um, mm-hmm. They're always uh, encouraging those around them. Uh, they're not looking out for the accolades. Yeah, that's, I think that's very, very well said. And I, I, I love your comment, too, about how, uh, going back to even Rudy, that uh, so often I think our cities uh, have plenty of those good leaders, uh, but they're oftentimes not recognized, uh, they're under-resourced, and that a part of the job of doing good work in a city is to discover those good leaders and, and give them the kind of platform that allows them to begin to exercise their gifts. So it's... Uh, I think that's great. Well, I want to kind of push it a little bit further, Larry. And uh, again, one of the reasons that we asked you onto the Cityus Playground podcast was that, as you know, in the uh, the central office, we have been wrestling with this 
uh, particular model of leadership that we call the Eucharistic shape of leadership. And, uh, you know, again, the background of this was, is the sacrament uh, something that's, uh, or is the Eucharist more than just a sacrament, but maybe the, the very life of Jesus himself? And if that's true, that that then would be the shape of his leadership. Uh, and we've been talking about these four movements uh, that really it was you, Larry, that said it's, it's more circular, it's not linear, it's, it's this notion of what does it mean to be given? Uh, what does it mean to be blessed? Uh, what does it mean to be broken? And then what does it mean to have uh, your leadership you know, given moving forward? So the kind of taken, blessed, broken, and given. Um, specifically, we are looking with you at what does it mean to have leadership that's given? And uh, you know, it was probably a month ago that you had a chance to, uh, to share a bit about what you think leadership looks like uh, that is given. Uh, so or with taken. that, or taken. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, so say a bit about why you think um, leadership being taken is so important uh, in terms of other models of leadership that you've looked at. So when you think of the Eucharist, when uh, he takes the bread and blesses it, breaks it and gives it, um, so yeah, so it's circular in that this is this is it actually is the life of the church, the life of Jesus. But it begins with being taken. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my understanding of that is that we've been taken by Jesus. We didn't choose him. Um, we would not, in our wildest imaginations, uh, take God because of our rebellion as a human race. We we try to flee from God. Yet, in his grace, he takes us uh, like he took the bread. So it's sort of a daily reminder to the leader, to me, that I am taken by God. Mm -hmm. I I would never have chosen him, but through Christ, he took me. And I like the idea that he adopted me. That idea of adoption is uh, is a strong um, kind of... uh, uh, way to look at it, because when when you think of adoption... You know, you, you have to. It's a powerful metaphor because you have to choose to adopt. Uh, I remember when Becky and I, mm-hmm. in our early days, we thought we had two daughters, and before we had twins, which we, <laughs> which kind of uh, took us by surprise, we had often talked about adoption. Mm. But when you look at how, uh, you know, the process of adopting a child, I mean, it is a huge undertaking. You just can't go out and say, "I want to adopt somebody." I mean, it's. It's huge, mm-hmm. uh, or even foster being a foster parent. Mm-hmm. But that idea of adopted as his son, as his daughter, is a, a, is a powerful metaphor um, as a child of God. So being taken, adopted, all those metaphors are just really powerful because it, it just underscores that um, it, it was his act. Uh, mm-hmm. He did it. It's not about me. Mm-hmm. So. That's one of my first points. It's a path towards servanthood, right? Yeah. Because it's not about me. Yeah, you know, uh, again, I think there's so much in that. um, And you, of course, have sat probably at enough tables over the years where you have all a whole bunch of leaders sitting around trying to figure out how to make Memphis better, you know, how to make another city better. But you recognize that the sheer amount of ego 
that sits in so many of those leaders is going to be the very problem uh, that's going to hang us up as we as we try to move forward together. And, and at least my sense in talking with you is that at least one of the effects of being taken um, is that it, it's a direct blow uh, to your ego, right? In other words, yeah, it's, mm -hmm. yeah, it's it, it, it's the idea. So it, it leads to a profound sense of humility, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I realize I'm taken, even against you know my my will in a, in a way, because my will would never choose God. But if I know that He's taken me. It leads to a profound sense of humility versus egocentricity. Yeah, I, I, I love I love that sense. Uh, and you know, you, you think about it again in so much of you know even the world as we're living into it today. Um, whatever else uh, is happening, there appears to be a profound sense of a lack of humility. Um, and you know, we pick that up on the media, we pick that up, you know, in our, our daily lives. And I think um, without that humility, as you made the comment, Larry, it's, it's very, very difficult uh, to kind of get things done. Um, maybe say a bit more about how you continue to cultivate uh, this sense of humility as a result of being taken. All right. So obviously um, the human race is self-centered. So it has to be, sort to me, a daily uh, reflection on being taken. Otherwise, mm -hmm. uh, like any of us, my ego will get in the way. I'll read an mm -hmm. article in the paper about a, another ministry leader, and you know, my first response was, why didn't I get that article in the paper, you know? Yep. So it's, it's a daily reminder. Uh, so I have to remind myself daily uh, that I've been taken. And that, uh, so humility is not a natural, <laughs> uh, not natural for me. I don't think it's natural for anyone. So it's, it's got to be a purpose of, purposeful uh, identification with Jesus and a purposeful reflection on being taken. I, you know, I think of uh, Ian Paul on the road to Damascus, and here's the arch persecutor of the church. And, you know, you don't read the letters of Paul uh, you don't have to read too far in his letters to realize Paul had a real ego issue, right? I mean, <laughs> he was he yeah, was a Hebrew, absolutely. He was <laughs> yeah, Benjamin, right? <laughs> Yet he reflects on. He also says, "I'm the chief of sinners. I was one untimely born." In First Corinthians, um, because he realized you know, on the road to Damascus he was taken uh, against his will. And so I'm, I'm sure that was, maybe that was a thorn in the flesh uh, that he kept, uh, that his pride was maybe the thorn in the flesh. But uh, when, uh -huh. he reflect, when he would reflect back on the road to Damascus, which is repeated three times in the book of Acts, which, makes, which means it's very important, um, you can't get away from that idea that it was God who was the actor. And so... That is a good reminder for each of us. Is every morning we, you know, get ready to love our city, uh, is to reflect on this idea of being taken into. And I'm not talking about false humility. You know, we've mm -hmm. all witnessed it too. Um, it's a, you know, I, I pray for a profound sense of that being taken. That's a, that's beautifully said, Rick. You, yeah, Larry. This is Rick Enlow. I had a question for you. How? Uh, what are some examples of how, as a leadership foundation, like maybe even in Memphis, 
have you um, evaluated um, you know different initiatives that you're going to lean into or help like it seems to me that um, you, you know as a, a sort of a Eucharistic leader you wouldn't be looking to sort of add capacity to somebody who would benefit you but you in some ways you when you see somebody that's a leader an emerging leader or, or, or an initiative that you think is really important in a sense you have to to you take them as well is would that be true uh, yeah, in other words, if we're looking at a leader or a program that wants to affiliate with us, they want us to lean into them, it's the idea is how do we make them better, right? not how they make us better. Yeah, and to me, now, that, that's kind reality, of an application, if, right? What, say that again? That would be an application of this kind of thinking. Yeah, uh, so... You know, you think of it, think of a business model. If I'm going to acquire or buy out another business, I do that because it's going to uh, it's going to be positive to my bottom line, right? That's right. why I do it. Mm-hmm. It's going to be better. I'm going to make more profit. Uh, I'm going to I'm buying out my competition or whatever. Well, eucharistically, uh, that won't work. In fact, we've leaned into a lot of projects that cost us dearly. Right. Uh, and so while we have to, you know, be, uh, you know, effective and we have to be good stewards of the resources we have, that's that's never has been the first question for us. Now, sometimes that has really come back to bite us, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, in terms of the finance, but then you see what the leader is doing and the, the kids or the ex-offenders or the sex trafficking victims that are, uh, pull out of that tragedy, uh, and you say that's that's what's worth it. Um, so you never look. So yeah. So you're looking at how does it benefit the city, not how it benefits the leadership foundation. Yeah, and I think that's where your uh, uh, your picture of adoption is so beautiful because as you adopt these programs, it's at your expense that they would thrive. Just just mm-hmm. as God adopted us, you know, it was at His expense that we would thrive. So I, I think that's. That's how I see this Eucharistic leadership, you know, moving out into the cities uh, and, uh, you know, becoming playgrounds. Uh, I think you're on it. Larry, you, uh, along with uh, this kind of characteristic of profound humility, um, the other thing that you said is that uh, to be taken uh, produces what you describe as a lack of defensiveness. Uh, I'd love to have you kind of just say a bit more about that and why why would that be true so uh, if i'm taken if i really believe that which we know is in scripture is true um then the if an ego then is you know it's not about me but it's about the city and about what god's doing in the city then the defensiveness um, it, it just kind of it, it it goes away, right? I mean, uh, mm-hmm. it, it, um, it's it's not it's, it becomes a, a a non-starter. When I get but when I when I get defensive, um, you know, if I get defensive, then I realize uh, you know, ego is the issue. And I have to once again realize uh, this idea of humility and being taken. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, 
so the humility is the notion that we are taken uh, without humility, then we, we do kind of lead in, lean into this idea of being defensive mm-hmm. uh, about our program, about our, you know, our ministry is better than that ministry. Uh, but when I realize it's all God's grace and all being taken, humility would be the opposite of defensiveness, I would think. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like I like that a lot, and again, it it causes me to reflect on first uh, the amount of times that I have found myself uh, being a bit defensive, um, <clears throat> and recognizing that um, more often than not, it's because my ego is still very much alive, and ultimately, you know, that my leadership that I'm trying to protect at all costs, uh, possess at all costs, uh, is somehow, uh, at least in my mind, uh, you know, being attacked. And to move away from that and to get into that gracious space that you're talking about, uh, where you can have hard conversations, you can, you know, uh, discuss things that really need to be discussed, you know, because leadership is hard work, but to do it in a non-defensive way, um, is really refreshing, and uh, again, I, I think your your uh, your comment about that is great. Again, maybe similar to the same way that you talked about a profound humility. Uh, what are ways, very maybe practical ways, Larry, that you try to stay vigilant around being uh, non-defensive? Um, what are maybe some of the triggers, some of the things that you look for in yourself, or maybe even perhaps in others, that are helpful for you? Well, the, you know, the triggers uh, for defensiveness is when other people uh, get the credit. Mm. And, you know, we often say mm-hmm. if, if, if we're really convinced that it doesn't matter who gets the credit, we can get a lot more done in our city. Mm-hmm. And so, but I'm, in, you know, all of us, our leadership foundation sit at a lot of tables with other leaders, with politicians, with business leaders. And the jockeying, you know, for position and the jockeying uh, for who gets the credit is, uh, you know, is, is appalling. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so when that, ha- you know, so when that happens, you're realizing right then that it's, it's, it's about them or about their organization. But if you don't, if you really don't care who gets the credit because you realize you've been taken and it's not about you uh, and it's about the bigger, uh, the bigger issue of, of our city, uh, then that jockeying for who gets the credit sort of dissipates. Mm-hmm. But you now that's not to say it's easy because everybody everybody likes to take the credit. But so again, I have to really work at that, and I, I, I imagine our re- other presidents of leadership foundations uh, struggle with that a lot because leadership foundations, in many ways, are way, are, are behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, as an intermediary, uh, we get a lot of things done in the city, but it's the programs that we uh, support, the programs that we partner with, uh, that people know and get the credit. And I have to realize that that's exactly the right thing uh, mm-hmm. they should get. Uh, but of course, if they're, if we can also help them be Eucharistic leaders, uh, then they will, uh, you know, hopefully more and become more and more humble themselves. But uh, this idea of not taking the credit is very important. Or yeah. who, who, not, not caring who gets the credit, just so that the city is a better place. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, 
You know, the other, other idea about being taken uh, is, you know, some days you wonder whether you're making a difference, right? Mm-hmm. Wonder whether you really are driving this wheel of change, uh, whether you're moving the wheel from the change, uh, or you know, are you are you on a flat tire, mm-hmm. uh, burned out? Mm-hmm. Um, but again, the idea of being taken by God and understanding that means what that means, that it's not about me or even about MLF, Rich Leadership Foundation, I can't make a difference if I'm not taken by God mm-hmm. and His mercy. Mm-hmm. Forget that, working on my own, trying to drive the wheel of change because I have a better idea, because I'm a good leader, uh, as opposed to understanding I'm being used by God by the wheel of change mm-hmm. to accomplish his purpose, not mine, to accomplish his purpose, not Memphis Leadership Foundations, uh, then, uh, you know, that sort of can ground me to say, okay, um, it's, God's, it's God's problem. Mm-hmm. You anyway, know, I mean, well, it's not, yeah. not that I sit on a couch and wait for God to, you know, wait for some miracle. It's just that yeah. When I look at my life and ministry over the last now 45 years in the city, uh, and the times that I've been burned out, the times I've been frustrated and so forth, and I look at those times, it's because I'm, I've forgotten that I'm taken. Hmm. That's very good. You know, one, one of the practical questions, I think, Larry, that shows up in the midst of these three points that you've made about being taken, that it produces profound humility, uh, a lack of defensiveness, and that it gives you kind of uh, what might be kind of described as patience over time, is that I think one could argue, and I'd like to hear you respond to this, uh, do you ever feel like you're being taken advantage of by others? Oh, yeah. Um, so there's no question that if, if you are uh, uh, use a Eucharistic or adopt or adapt this Eucharistic leadership, idea you will be taken advantage of. Uh, no one was mm-hmm. more taken advantage of than Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he was the son of God, but he was killed. Uh, he was beaten. Uh, he was the sacrificial lamb, uh, all a part of God's plan. So this is, this is the real catch uh, and the real, I, I don't want to say negative, but it would be negative from a worldly perspective. The real catch or negative about Eucharistic leadership is you will be taken advantage of. Yeah, so in that sense, you, you will be eaten, right, <laughs> to, to say it literally. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, unfortunately, uh, the Bible kind of uh, tells us that that's our lot in life. You will be persecuted. Uh, you, you know, you, you will, uh, if you want to <laughs> get your life, you got to lose it. I wish Jesus hadn't said those things, but he did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you want to be great, you've got to be servant of everybody. Now, is a servant someone's taken advantage of? Absolutely. That's what servants, <laughs> that's why they had servants. So mm-hmm. they, you know. Mm-hmm. So the whole idea of Eucharistic leadership is, um, unfortunately, from you know, a human perspective, people don't like to be taken advantage of, but uh, it, it, it will happen, and you can count on it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in light of that uh, and those sobering words uh, for our listeners who have now probably at this point said, okay, so you're telling me that Eucharistic leadership will reward me by being eaten up by others. Um, what 
kind of things do you uh, make use of, Larry, in your life to um, stay healthy, right? I mean, there's a, there's a sense in which this almost feels like you, you could be getting run over by others, taken advantage of maybe in ways that are, um, you know, not uh, altogether healthy. I mean, and, and my sense of you and people who know you, that you um, are a person that while you're committed to this Eucharistic leadership, uh, nobody is necessarily going to kind of pull one over on you might be a way to frame it. How do you, how do you live in that tension? Yeah, I think there's a, we don't mean taking advantage of, I don't mean being uh, you know, people walking all over you um, mm -hmm. or to not be wise uh, in how we exercise our leadership. Um, so, so, you know, wisdom, you know, it, you can tell when folks, um, when a program comes to us or a leader comes to us and uh, wants to uh, come under umbrella and uh, is, you know, has a, a hidden agenda. Uh, just, you mm -hmm. know, we don't allow that. But what I mean, taking advantage, a good a good example, and I probably, it's probably across all our leadership foundations, particularly those of us who've been doing this a long time, because as we have, you know, established uh, one of one of our uh, functions as leadership foundation is building the capacity of others. Mm -hmm. um, and we do a lot of that in Memphis. Uh, or another one of our functions, created maybe 40 joint initiatives in Memphis. And what happens over time is those initiatives that then become very uh, productive ministries uh, kind of forget where they came from. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, uh, forget that they were incubated by MLF, and 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 you know you feel taken advantage of at that point. But I have to come to the point of celebrating their success, and not being infuriated by the fact that they didn't recognize us as their you know umbrella or mm -hmm. the one that got them. Started. And that's bound to happen because you know we've been at this thirty years, so right. some of the some of the programs we incubated <clears throat> thirty years ago. Uh, had succession, have had you know uh, leadership successions, right. and, and you know they don't they don't trace their uh, lineage back to MLF, uh, and so uh, you know you could get sort of jaded by that, uh, taken advantage of is, is mm -hmm. sort of a way of looking at it. But I have to come to the point where I celebrate their success, not um, in any way um, hold it against them. Yeah, that's that's great. You know, Larry, one of the things I um told our, our listeners is that obviously your role as president of the Memphis Leadership Foundation, but that you also serve as the vice president of network impact and member services for the Leadership Foundations and our 42 Leadership Foundations around the world that your job, your role is principally to you know, help uh, strengthen and uh, sustain these local leadership foundations and their work. Uh, I also went on to say that it, probably nobody knows more about what leadership foundations are doing around the world than you. So it's in that context, you know, that I ask you the question. Um, your office gets calls from cities that are interested in becoming leadership foundations. And so 
yourself and, and others begin to walk them through the process of what it means to be a leadership foundation. Um, I suspect, just because I know you well, that you are walking with a city as it thinks about becoming a leadership foundation in a almost kind of discernment process, right? Is this a good fit? Uh, is this something that um, they understand as it relates to leadership foundations and that we see cities as playgrounds rather than battlegrounds, the wheel of change, et cetera? I also suspect that one of the things you're trying to keep your eye on is who is going to be that leader of that leadership foundation? and how that probably has as much or more to do than anything in terms of the success of that leadership foundation going forward. So with that background and with this idea of the Eucharistic shape of leadership, give us uh, maybe some reflection on when you, you know, go to a city to meet a new group or you welcome a city to Memphis who's looking at the leadership foundations. What are the kinds of things you are sort of looking for, trying to keep your eye on as uh, as they begin to think about becoming a leadership foundation? Well, of course, the first thing, and typically when that happens, it's a group that comes, uh, but when that group comes, we've had a couple groups uh, here the last uh, over the last year, uh, and there's been groups uh, from other cities over the years, there's usually, you know, I always say, you know, the Leadership Foundation, there's got to be one driving uh, force, uh, one leader who's the driving force. It can't really be done by committee. Um, there's got to be that person that is the uh, lightning rod for the thing to happen. Mm -hmm. So what I look for is, one, is a person that uh, genuinely loves their city um, mm. and knows, knows everything about that city, its history, it's it's uh, you know it's it's blemishes as well as it's uh, wonderful places, but you know a lot of folks don't really know you know they think they love their city. And you ask a few questions and you realize they don't know it that well. So I want to I want yeah. somebody that really loves and knows their city. The second thing is I'm looking for that that humble spirit, someone that is that is um, whether they call it Eucharistic leadership or not, but someone who displays these sorts of attributes of humility, uh, the sense of being taken, mm. that it's not about me, but it's about God's work in the city. So I, I really pay attention to people that use I language rather than we language. Mm. Uh, so, uh, and, and then, so someone who loves the city, someone who is, seems to express this Eucharistic leadership of being taken, someone who's humble, uh, servant leader, and who has demonstrated that. So, you know, some of the things, mm -hmm. no one comes, whether it's a business leader that wants to, you know, that is kind of behind this, or a pastor, uh, or a nonprofit leader, uh, you know, are, have they demonstrated servant leadership in their business or in their church or in their nonprofit? Mm -hmm. uh, and you can, you know, there's ways to kind of ask those questions. And then, do they, do they have a not a paternalistic view of the poor, but do they really love the poor? Hmm. Uh, they understand God's love uh, and concern for the marginalized, uh, or is it, or, or is it out of guilt, uh, or are they really, are they really done the theological, the spiritual, and the experiential work of loving the poor, hmm. of loving the marginalized. Um, uh, or do they, you know, 
obviously that that's who we are. So, but you know, some folks love the poor paternalistically. Mm-hmm. Uh, they want to do something to people and for people rather than with people. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm looking for someone who's working with people, not for or to them. That's a that's just a wonderful description. Um, and I, again, as I was listening to you. Um, in real time, you know, talk about the way that you uh, will sit with a group, sit with an individual as they think about a leadership foundation. Um, I think that's a, a beautiful description of Eucharistic leadership and, and really this sense of, of being taken. Um, you know, I often, again, think about how, you know, the leadership foundation's vision, you know, of any given city as it becomes uh, like a playground rather than a battleground. Um, that vision is so big, it is so, um, you know, uh, heavy with weight, I would almost say, that it, you can't actually have it be your own idea. It has to be, you know, God's idea and that we're just being taken up, uh, taken up in that. So that's a, that's a great description. Um, maybe as we kind of wind this up a little bit, Larry, when you... Um, have a chance, and you've done this with me, uh, you've done this uh, with countless individuals really around the world and of course in Memphis, uh, and you began to um, mentor or coach um, some of these leaders up into their potential. Um, what are some of the things that you uh, exercise or you use uh, as you meet with people and help develop their leadership, uh, particularly in relationship to this idea of Eucharistic leadership and uh, what it means to be taken? Um, well, and I don't know that I have a formula as much as uh, questions that I ask. And of course, we, we do uh, here in Memphis with urban leaders, we have uh, a curriculum, two curricula uh, for nonprofit leaders. Um, and, you know, and we talk about. Uh, leadership from uh, a Eucharistic point of view, but then in terms of one-on-one or mentoring, uh, it's asking questions uh, like, you know, even even questions that seem inappropriate, like what what's in it for you, hmm. you know, what's what's in it for you, and if if the answer to that is, well, there's really nothing in it for me. That's the that's the of course the answer I'm looking for. Right. Um, but there's ways to kind of ask that question. Very, it's not confronted. It's somewhat confronted. Uh, but I remember uh, uh, a leader came, came to me uh, a couple weeks ago, wanting to start a, a program in the city. And uh, I said, "Why do you want to do that?" And they began to answer that question. And I said, "Well, what's in it for you?" And the answer was, "Well, I need so I need I need to figure out this nonprofit thing so I can get paid." Mm. Well, that started a whole different line of questioning. <laughs> mm-hmm. What makes you think you're going to get paid is the first mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. But it was obvious that this person was going to create what looked looked to be a good program. But his agenda was to create a nonprofit so he could raise some money from his friends so he could get paid. Mm-hmm. And I and uh, I've not met with him since. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. You know. The, I always had like the, the folks that came here from a couple cities uh, not long ago when I sat down with them over uh, of course in Memphis a barbecue lunch there you uh, go. 
some, some ribs and so forth. I said, why, why do you guys want to do this? And it was all guys, by the way. There wasn't any women with this crew. I said, why do you guys want to do this in your city? Um, and, uh, I'm, you know, that, that's a great question because it, it usually is a group. And I want to know uh, what's, what's the driving force. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's if, if if it's to serve if it's to serve God is if it's to serve the city well to make our city better uh, those are the sorts of you know answers I'm looking for mm-hmm. uh, rather than answers like you know we got a lot of poor people in our city and if we don't do something about that uh, you know it's bad for business uh, right. well that's that's right. not quite the way we want to go. Yep. So uh, I find those kinds of questions very telling. Uh, yep. What's in it for you? Why, why are you doing this? Um, uh, those the kind of why questions are the ones that kind of get to the Eucharistic type of leadership we're looking for. Yeah. Actually, I've had a chance to both be on the receiving end of this with you and then also watch you do it with others. And um, I, I don't think it can be overstated uh, how powerful a tool of good question asking is, you know, there's a there's a poet by the name of E.E. E. Cummings that, you know, said it perfectly, that the, the beautiful answer is always preceded by a more beautiful question. And uh, I think, of course, we see that evidenced uh, in, in the life of Christ uh, in, you know, abundant ways. Um, you know, the other two things I would just say uh, that I know I've seen you do, Larry, but it's just the power of, of actually being with people. Um, you know, I think so often um, leadership is uh, kind of done in a vacuum and, and the ability of, a, of an older uh, mentor leader uh, to essentially get into the same kind of dugout or boat or whatever the metaphor is that you want to use um, is, is profound because that sense of how much leadership, um, more of it is really caught than oftentimes it's taught. And, uh, and I think that's, that's been um, absolutely critical uh, as well. And so uh, it's with that, Larry, that I really uh, thank you for this, uh, this opportunity to talk with you um, about uh, leadership in general, uh, specifically uh, the importance of uh, Eucharistic leadership and this first movement of being taken. Um, again, thank you for all that you uh, have provided both to uh, the Memphis Leadership Foundation as well as leadership foundations around the world. And it's with that, Larry, that we uh, say again, thank you. You're welcome. All right, thanks, Larry. I look forward to having some ribs with you. And if you, have right, any, if, you, if you have any questions for Larry or for the rest of us, it's info at leadershipfoundations.org. Look forward to our next podcast together.